I'm going to have, if you're not standing, we're going to stand one more time this morning. Make you get a little bit of exercise here. How many know there's power in the Word of God? Life-changing power in the Word of God. And the Word never fails us. It's always working in our behalf. So as we start our message today, I just want to declare the Word of God over you. Amen. So just listen and receive. You can watch along as it's on the screen in front of you. I'm going to read out of John 1 this morning, 1 through 5, and then also verse 14. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, and He came full of grace and truth. And that's my message today. We're going to be talking about how important it is Jesus came with grace and truth, and the church of Jesus needs to have grace and truth to win this world. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this time that we have with the Word of God. We thank you that you are all-powerful, all-living, and almighty God. And I ask, Lord, as we research the Word of God today, that you would quicken us, speak to us, Holy Spirit. The only way that we know how to hear is by you. And I thank you, Jesus, that these words will go into good soil and produce much fruit and bring freedom, and we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, I am wrapping up our series on In God We Trust. I don't think we've ever lived in a time where we've needed to trust God more, have we? There's a time in the season we're living in that is unsettled, and we wonder what's happening, but when we continue as Christ followers to keep our trust in God, everything's going to be all right. Amen? Everything's going to be all right. So I just encourage you, if you haven't listened to the last three teachings, just jump online. Get caught up a little bit because I believe these are little life preservers that the Holy Spirit's been sending out for us to take in this season that we're living in the world today. Because I believe, even though it doesn't look like the church is on the rise right now, the church of Jesus Christ is on the rise. There is a move of God coming to his church. And even though the world and the devil would try to stop it, there's nothing he can do. Amen. Because the church belongs to Jesus. And he said, if we build it, we labor in vain. But if he builds it, it will sustain every test and trial. And so this morning I want to talk to us about really understanding how to move as believers in God's grace and in God's truth. And if you've been serving Jesus long enough, you know that there's both that has existed in the kingdom. One of the things that's been troubling to me as a pastor and a leader is if you look back at the history of our nation, our country was built on the principles of Christianity. Our country was built on the word of God. Everything they built at the beginning days was about building it on the, the best they could according to the word of God. And so our, our nation was a Christian nation. And I know that Christ is still the center of our nation, but if I look at the world today, we have moved away from our Christian faith. And I know that that's been a tactic of the enemy. How many 
know our battle's not against flesh and blood, but it's always about principalities, and the enemy wants to rise up his head in the way that he can, and I believe his ultimate assignment is to silence the church of Jesus Christ, because we have the power, we have the authority, and we have the life-giving message to change people's lives, don't we? So as I'm looking at this, I decided to get on the Barna study and find out where is the Christian faith today in America. Barna does all kinds of different studies. And so I looked up Christianity, and I came across something that was newer to me. I wasn't so familiar. And it's called post-Christianity. And I begin to dig a little bit more into this, and post-Christianity has come up on the rise over the last 10 or 12 years in America. And what that is, is it's people who have been exposed to Christianity. Maybe they were raised in a Christian home or went to a Bible camp or certain people come to church on holidays. And they found the truth of God's word. They're not agnostics and they're not atheists, but they're people who were exposed to truth, but at some point in their life, they rejected truth. And that's called post-Christianity. And that is on the rise in America today. We're seeing a shift of Christianity that, you know, back in my day, we grew up in the Jesus movement. We grew up in revival. It was like the strength of America was the strength of the church. When there was something going on wrong in the world, people wanted to get to the house of the Lord. You know, there was a, a Spanish flu back in the day. They lined up in the churches in, in L.A., lined up begging to get inside to get to the presence of God. Because the core belief of our country was built on Christian faith. And now we see a, a waning away from that. We see a separation according to the studies. And about these post-Christians is, it's not that they don't know about God. It's just that they don't care anymore. And isn't that such a scary place for the church of Jesus Christ to be that for whatever reason, the Christian faith has really lost its power. And I believe the Holy Spirit will have the last say and we'll see the uprising. But, you know, at Faith Builders, our mission statement is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I think as Christians, we need to be equipped with truth so that we know how to answer the world, the worldly point of view, according to the word of God, but in a way that we can win them. Because there was a day we could literally tell people, you know, hell is real and you're going to go there. And they'd be like, what do I got to be do to be saved? Right? There was like a time, but there's a time we're living in today is you can't move that way anymore. Because there is a dogma thinking in today's society. You know, I could ask one person on this side of the room, what do you believe about the culture today or the world? And you would have your truth. And then I'd ask somebody else over here and you would have your truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is there's no flexibility for the word of God to have its truth. And that's where I'm really trying to bring the churches. We have to push out this separation that the world wants us to have so bad. If I've ever seen the devil bring division, it's been the last few years here in the world, hasn't it? We had the pandemic, which was a huge division. We have politics that was a huge division. We've had, um, uh, what else was it? Um, I wrote something else down. I can't remember. But we, oh, racial, um, racial injustice. We have had everything thrown at the church of Jesus Christ. If there was ever going to be a separation, it would have been in this season. And I think what we have to remember as the church and as Christians is that we don't have to agree on everything. 
I don't, we don't, that's the freedom that we have, amen. I mean, at the beginning, we have freedom of choice. And that's the beauty of when God made us. But the one thing we have to come together is agreement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the world wants to divide like never before, the church has to unify like never before. We have to come together and not on, uh, not what you believe, what you think should happen, shouldn't happen, but let's come together that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that is the answer that America and the world needs today. But I'm telling you, this antichrist spirit that's in the world wants to shut believers up, right? They want to shut us up, stop us from sharing our truth because the truth offends and that, that is true because people do have their way of thinking. So if you look at past history, the faith in Christ used to be the center of everything in the world, or America, let's say. And now it has gone to the fringes. Where God used to be the foundation of everything, it's gone to the fringes. Where it used to be when you were a Christian and a Christ follower, that was a positive thing. You were admired for your Christian faith. You were admired for your principles and your morals and your standards. Today, if you try to mention your Christian faith, it becomes toxic in the world. It becomes a threat in the world, and the world wants to shut the mouths of Christians and make us feel threatened. Like, how can I share my truth? I shouldn't say my truth, the word of God, because how many know the word is the truth? The word is the final authority. But how do I share that truth with the world who already has their thinking? They've already made their mind up. And we're going to have to be what the word says, wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And we're going to have to walk like Jesus walked and take grace and take truth together. And when we take that together, we can now impart hope and life, excuse me, to people who don't think that they need it. Because they've made their final decision, right? If you look at 2 Timothy 4, 3, um, it says this. He said, for the, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine anymore. Right? I think we're living in that time. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say with their itching ears what they want to hear. Right? They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to miss. This is the greatest deception of the church. This is talking about believers who had sound doctrine, who had the truth, but the world brought separation. The, the world begins to put people in categories, and anything that you can divide, you can conquer. So if we can come together, we can protect the unity of the church, we can protect sound doctrine, but move it in the way that God wants us to move in to be effective. No more dogma, dogma mentality, amen? So how do we do this? How do we faithfully represent Jesus in a post-Christian post culture? There is a way, and God shows us according to his word. I believe that God wants us to honor Jesus and he also wants to dignify people. So we can take the people that seem unreachable, and we can take and honor Jesus, and we can combine them and reach and change their hearts. Amen? A divided world needs a united church. The world may have changed, but our mission never changes in the church. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us one assignment. He didn't say any assignment to argue about anything. He said the government is on his shoulders. Right, he said, obey the laws of the land. The world tried to throw everything at Jesus to get him off his assignment. He gave the church one assignment. He said, go into all the world. 
and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples, baptize them, fill them with the Holy Spirit and do signs, wonders, and miracles. That is the mission of the church, one mission. And we've got to get back to that unified mission, and that is to live and love people with grace and truth. And guess what that means? I have to live and love grace and truth with somebody that's sitting in this room today. Somebody that may be sitting in my row that we don't agree with. Right? The church has to come. It doesn't matter. Someone sitting there that is a, a godly woman. Someone sitting there that is, is got a jealousy spirit. Right? A woman sitting there that gets into gossiping and complaining needs the same grace as somebody else sitting over here. We have to release grace to everyone around us, amen, so that truth can find its way. So let's look at John 1.14. It says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. I want us to say that together today. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And God wants us to come full of grace and full of truth. So what does that word full mean? That word full there is the Greek word, and it's play race. And it means this, filled to the brim, abounding in, thoroughly full. Jesus came full of grace, full of truth, full of love, full of his power. And that means to the brim. So if you were to take a, a glass of water that was full of water all the way up and you were to shake it, what would happen? What's in that is coming out on everyone around it. So when you get around somebody, a believer, that's full of grace and full of truth, when you get in their life, your life is touched and transformed by just being around them. Whenever they got around Jesus, they were touched and transformed by Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, what are you full of? You might know some people full of some stuff, right? That's talking about that. What are you full of today? When people get around you, are we full of the anxiety of the world? Are we full of our opinions? Are we full of all of this stuff that we're overwhelmed with and we got to prove ourselves right? Are we full of religion? Or are we full of the grace and the truth of Jesus that the world needs today? The world needs to get around you and they need to feel God's love, but they also need to feel God's conviction. Come on. That's the power of God. It's not keeping a truth to myself and being afraid, but it's moving in the grace and the love of God and then giving truth away. When Jesus uh, was, you know, here on earth, we know about the woman with the issue of blood. And if you just look at this woman, she was unclean. She was cast to the outsides of the city. She, 12 years, was continuing to hemorrhage. She lost all of her money. She was unwanted. She was abandoned. But she saw Jesus. And though nobody wanted her, they wanted to judge her. They didn't want to give grace to her because it's already been done with her. How many had that friend that's been calling you, like, for the last 10 years of the same problem? And you're like, man, if that girl calls me again, I'm going to push, you know, pause on that one, right? Send it to voicemail. Because we get in the flesh with people. We get frustrated with people. We don't give enough grace away when they need grace. And this woman said, I don't know what I got to do, but I'm going to crawl to Jesus. And I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. 
That word translate fringe. Christianity is on the fringe right now. And the world is saying, if I just could touch the fringe, I know my life will be changed. If the church will just stand up in this hour in its glory, it will touch and change the world. Listen, the world wants truth. It's religious people who abandon truth and get offended. But the world is saying, give me hope. Give me an answer. Give me a promise because everything I see around me tells me why even bother living? Why bother dreaming? Why say there's a hope for my future because I don't see anything in front of me? But the church has the answer. And it's cute little perfect walls with perfect worship. And we're afraid to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ because of what somebody might think about me or they might get offended. But I have a life-giving answer. And I've been intimidated by this worldly spirit that I don't dare touch that. that. That's untouchable. I have to just give grace, grace to it. But I have the answer of truth that brings hope. We've got to find out where do we fit in this, right? So let me ask you this morning, what are you full of? Let's put that uh, picture on the screen. Grace saves people and truth frees people. And you've got to have both. The church cannot be afraid of the truth of the word of God. I am not accountable to my own opinion, but I am accountable to the word of God. I told first service that, you know, if I'm online and, you know, they're talking politics and this, you know, I get a little aggravated or whatever. I'm fine with that. But when they talk about God and they talk about my Bible, I can't type fast enough. I'm like, ooh, and I've got three or four screens and I'm going at it. Why? Because don't touch my God. And don't touch the word of God. You can have any other opinion you want. But the word of God is the final authority. And it is the answer. And it is the hope. And the devil would love to snuff the word out. Why? Because Jesus is the word. He was in the beginning, right? We know that the devil hates Jesus and he hates the church of Jesus Christ. So grace saves people and truth frees people. And Jesus came full of grace and truth. So the problem that we have to find as the church is, where do we stand? Because what has happened in the church over the last 10 years, the church of Jesus, is they've bent one way or they've bent the other. So let's talk about truth. Now, I'm a truth girl. I'm a word girl. But what happens is if we just are going to people with the truth and we're beating them over the head, well, the Bible says this. And if you don't stop doing that sin and if you don't start doing this and started putting rules and regulations on people, you are going to breed rebellion in people. Especially today when, listen, remember, people have already made up their mind. So if you just start going at them and you're bashing them and you're putting them in these legalism places that they can't fulfill anyway, they don't know the answer and they don't know the truth, they will, you'll back them in a corner and they're going to come out fighting. Why? Because everybody is wrestling to be heard today. And the whole time everybody's shouting loud, the church is getting quieter. Because what do I have to say? How do I say it? What if they do think I'm judging? Well, how do, I, how do I bring truth? It's a challenge there, right? And then what happens with some Christians, and I'm not talking about this room because you guys are such solid word people. I really believe that. But what happens is if we're judging and judging and judging, we're not even looking in our own backyard. We're so quick to blame what they should be doing. They shouldn't be doing. They should be doing. They should be here by now. They should. And we're blaming, and we're not even looking at our own backyard that maybe God wants to straighten some things up in there. You know, maybe there's some pride in my heart. Maybe there's some selfish ambitions. Maybe there's some stuff that I need to get the, well, the moat out of my own eye, right? And quit looking at somebody else's. 
So how do we do that? Now we've got the other side, which is grace. This message came out, just love everybody. I'll love you for who you are. Jesus loves you. You know, so we're like, do what you want. Feel how you want to feel. As long as you're happy, as long as it makes you feel good and it feels right to society. Now, we've society said it's okay. You just do you, boo. Do you, boo. Jesus loves you. And we got in this love boat, messy grace message that doesn't save people from truth. If you're giving all grace, and I love you, and God loves you just the way you are, we are not rescuing them from the gates of hell. And we are not freeing them from the oppression and the addictions and the depression and everything the world is pressuring on them. We have the power, but we're just in this big love boat. And Jesus said, I came in love, I died for love, but I also gave you truth. They go together. And if we could mix those together, we will change a world. Let me give you an example. I was watching, um, I won't even say what I was watching for those who weren't here in first service. But I was watching something, and it was a big event in the city, and it was run by Christians, but it was a huge secular thing also. A lot of worldly people there, boxers and singers and musicians and all this stuff. And they had Christian singers on the platform. And I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, it's a tool. I'm all about a tool. and There's nothing wrong with that. So I'm just waiting any minute. Okay, when's Jesus coming out? Like, where's the message of Jesus? I can't wait. We sang that song. That was good. This looks good. But where's the message of Jesus? And so out walks this pastor. And I'm like, yes, finally. All those people who are broken and addicted and hopeless, they're going to hear the message of Jesus Christ who is the answer, who laid his life down for this sin, for this world. And all the sin was upon his shoulders and he resurrected. And I'm just waiting for this story because it's powerful and it's life-changing and it's the answer to this world. And instead, this pastor comes out, you know, I just want to share with you today, you all are so loved. There's Muslims there, there's atheists there, agnostics there, everybody's there, and Christians, but Jesus loves you. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then he goes, and then Jesus, you know, he, he did something great for you. You know, he died on the cross. And I'm like, here it is. Here's the moment he's going to get that bait out there. And he's like, but if you don't receive today, it's okay. You're loved by God. And my heart just sunk. I'm like, this moment. You have the world eating in your hands. They don't care about agendas at that moment. They don't care about their sexuality. They don't care about racial division. Listen, the world is hurt and dying, and they care about hope. But we've gotten in our mind, well, if I dare touch it, oh, my gosh, they'll fall to pieces. And we forgot the message of the truth. The, the message was we spent millions to be here for you. We brought in the best of the best, famous, not famous, for you. That was the grace. That was the love. That's we're here unconditionally. We're here for you. But the truth is Jesus loves you. And he died for you for you to choose him. He died to give you hope. He died to give you life. He died to set you free. It is that truth that we can't be ashamed to share. The church is being quieted by the world and intimidated by the world instead of stepping up and not being afraid of telling the truth. It's exactly where the enemy wants us, feeling intimidated, like they're going to write a bad post about me. Write it. You know why? Because this person is standing before the creator one day. 
And Ezekiel said that I'm going to be judged a lot harder than you all are. So guess what? You're getting the truth. You don't like me, throw me away, unfriend me. It don't matter. No, not offensively because remember, grace and truth. You know what I'm saying. So here's the two extremes, the problem that we have with these two extremes. Number one, truth without grace leads to rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. Why? Because there's no empathy. If I'm just giving you truth, I'm not showing you I love you. I haven't had time to sit down and talk with you and know your family. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your, your past and maybe what hurt you and broke you. But when I'm in giving you grace and loving you, then I have a window of opportunity to truth that sets you free. So truth without grace leads to rebellion. People will reject it. Right? I, I grew up in a wonderful balancing, balanced home. But anytime you have legalism, you have secret sin. Whenever time you put somebody in a box, what they should and shouldn't be doing, I don't think I've ever preached a message that you should and shouldn't do anything because I believe the Holy Spirit is capable of speaking to you. And it's your responsibility to hear the Holy Spirit and respond to him. Amen? And that's the freedom that God gave at the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve. He created the garden and all its beauty. He created Adam and Eve, and he gave them one tree. Don't eat that tree, but enjoy all the creation. He stepped back and said, it is good. That's the grace of God. He said, enjoy the garden. Don't eat that. That's my truth, but here's my grace. God didn't go and put a thicket around it and barbed wire around it and put angels guarded at it. No. He said, here's my truth and my grace. Now go enjoy it all. And we have to give the same away. Give grace away. Otherwise, you put people in restriction and they run to secret sin, which is exactly what Adam and Eve did. And God was trying to spare them from the pain of knowing that. Number two problem, grace without truth leads to relativism. Means there's, there's no absolutes. There's no boundaries, right? You're loved and you're accepted just the way you are. And Jesus loves you unconditionally. And that's a beautiful part of it, but that's not the truth. It's a piece of the truth, right? And so what happens is with no absolute truth, I can live however I want. And that means not only can nobody tell me what to do, which is dangerous because there are people in the faith far ahead of you who could definitely help you get there. They could be like, don't do that. That's going to hurt your heart. Don't go there, right? You lean on the people who are ahead of you, but you even say, God, you can't tell me what to do. Now I've eliminated the voice of God from even speaking truth in my life or giving the people ability to be convicted by God if I never share truth. But I have to share it through grace. So what happens? What happened because of this, because of this grace message? Everybody feels like, and, and I'm using everybody in a term that's just broad, but what happens, what has sneaked into the church is religion. And we've got this mentality of, I think, I'm just going to get a little bit of Jesus. You know, we get on Facebook, and I get that awesome video of my favorite pastor, and it's like three minutes long. You're like, whew, that was a really good message today. Like three minutes was a little too long, buddy, but it's okay. I fast-forwarded a little, right? Or I get my Instagram post, and I've got that little bit of that word and that encouragement, and I feel good today. And we're getting this little bit of Jesus with no accountability. So we get just enough of Jesus to make me feel good about me, but I don't get enough of his power to change me. I don't get enough of his power to change the world. 
So there's this religious spirit that people have this mentality, if I just get a little bit, give me my shot on the arm, Pastor Barb, preach a great message, let's have great worship, and all that is wonderful, but that's just a little bit of Jesus and no accountability of truth to my life. What I need is God, speak to my heart. God, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. Search my heart, oh God, and make it ever new. I need God's spirit to come into my heart. I don't want a little bit of Jesus. I want the anointed, powerful anointing of God in my life that I can walk down the street and see people changed and transformed by the power of the cross. We're coming to days like Peter's shadow healed people. We're coming into days like that. If the church will rise up and not be afraid of truth. And not just get a little bit of Jesus. We need to get all into Jesus right now because there is a deceiver of the enemy loosed in the earth today. Trying to deceive the church of Jesus Christ. Trying to make the church look hopeless. But the church is going to arise. But we have to have discernment in this season and recognize the tactics of the enemy. Let's not be lulled to sleep. Amen. I don't want just enough of Jesus to feel better about myself. Amen. And it's good. I like a daily dose of Jesus, but I'm talking about, God, I need you. I need your grace and I need your truth. So what is grace? Grace in the Greek word is charis. It means undeserved kindness, favor, and the goodwill of God. We need undeserved favor, don't we? We need to give grace away. We got to give it away to people with different lifestyles. I'm telling you, people are going to come into the church from the world who aren't going to look like the word, smell like the word, or talk like the word. But they're going to come in our back doors. Are we going to receive them with grace? I will love you in all that you are right now. You don't have to change anything, be anything. Just come and let Jesus come into your life. That's grace. We receive them in, right? It's undeserved. The moment I think I have to do something about it, it's not grace anymore. It becomes works. But Romans 2, 4 says it's grace or kindness that leads us to repentance. He said it's my grace that leads people to repentance. But it's my truth that sets them free. Do you see how we need both? Because grace says, it's okay, let's have a discussion. And it blankets them with love and opens up their heart to a discussion. And then the truth begins to get in their heart and begins to set them free. And it may be a little truth here, a little truth there. I don't know. You're planting seeds, watering, having the fruition. Only God knows. But we can't avoid truth because we're afraid of the conversation. Amen? Otherwise, we're leaving people hopeless. And they need that delivering power of God. So let's look at Ephesians 2.8. It says, for, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Grace saves, amen. Through faith, not, and this is not from yourselves. It's not about you. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2.8. It's the grace of God. We've got to be willing to release grace. Now, if you look at that scripture verse, Jesus came in full grace and truth. Which came first? Grace. We need to lead with grace. Love the unlovely. Love those who offended us. Love those who think different about us. Does it matter in eternity? Absolutely not. Love unconditionally. Lead with grace. And then allow truth to be that barrier. Amen. Who needs grace? We all need grace. Every one of us sitting in this room. 
need the grace of God. There's not one person that has come to Jesus if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus. If you're still serving God today, it's because you found his grace, not his works, and not his law. Because serving the law will only last just a minute. Serving the law pleases man and satisfies your flesh, but you can't fulfill it. So you don't see them in the church anymore. But if you have remained, you have found the grace of God that has sustained you. And we have to be willing to give that grace away. The church has to be a place, and you guys are this way. But we have to receive people no matter what their lifestyle is. The world would say, change your behavior first. You better dress appropriately before you come in those back doors. And we're pushing the world away. So we're telling them, if you have to behave first, then I believe. So I can't believe until I change my behavior. And if I come in, I don't change my behavior, and I change the way I believe, then maybe I can belong. So I don't feel like I belong in the church because if my behavior gets off, then I feel rejected by the church. And who wants me anyway? We need the world to feel like they belong they belong and they are loved because they are coming to the house of God. They are hungry and they are being drawn by the Spirit. Love them where they're at. Amen. The church has to be a safe place for people to belong before they believe or behave. And then when they belong, we can work on the behavior. We've loved people to life on, all over this room. We have testimonies. They fell off the wagon. Chad's told this story. I keep using you. I'm so sorry. But Chess fell, he fell off the wagon two or three times, and we went and found him on the street and said, get your butt back to church because you belong, you matter, you have a home. And now he's reading, leading our Celebrate Recovery class with his wife. That's when a church says you belong no matter what. We'll go rescue you and change you. I'm not going to judge you. Amen? So you belong. But now do we have grace covers at all with no standards? No. What did Paul say? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? So that grace may increase? That's the truth. No, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? So once you come in, it's like, I got to die to my sin. I got to die to these behaviors, but God is greater. So truth isn't this. It isn't restrictive. It isn't repressive and oppressive and put people in bondage. Truth is freeing, liberating, and life-giving to someone. Amen. Let me close with this. Truth isn't just rules and regulations. Truth is a person. And I think we forgot that. We think it's all about the do's and the don'ts and the agrees and don't agree. And truth is not a person. Or truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. Truth, truth is not what. What's your truth? No. Jesus came in grace and truth. Who's my truth? Jesus. What's truth? A relationship with Jesus. Knowing him as your Lord and Savior. Just come. He, says, he said anyway, you can't understand the things of the Spirit unless you're born of the Spirit anyway. So we're trying to shove truth down people and they really just need Jesus. It's that gift of, of faith to receive Jesus. I need a Savior. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I don't agree with it all. But I know I need Jesus. And you by faith receive that gift. And all of a sudden the gift giver of truth starts coming. And God begins to tell you that you're free and you're healed and you're forgiven and you're redeemed and you're the head and you're loved and you have a future. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak that truth in their life. And our job is just to get them there. 
Let's just lead them to Jesus. Lead them to the cross. Have them sit next to you in church. Begin to disciple them, releasing truth and grace over people's lives. Truth is chain-breaking, sin-shattering, intimacy-building, and life-giving power. Grace is undeserving, and it's scandalous. (laughs) Jesus comforted sinners, and he loved the outcast. Jesus touched leopards, and he befriended prostitutes. Grace is lavishly displayed on the cross. Let me close with this. Post-Christians are not rejecting Jesus. They are rejecting, they are rejection of a distorted view of who Jesus is from a church that didn't get it right. The world is not rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the way we receive them. We've got to receive them in grace and love and truth. My parents had a Bible study in their home pre-pastoring and their Bible study was full of prostitutes, delivered, saved, homosexuality, delivered, went into marriages, had children in ministry today. Why? Because grace and truth changes people's lives. Truth alone hurts and damages. Grace alone doesn't free. Grace and truth is powerful. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you for this message, Father God, that Lord, we will not slack back as a church. We will not be intimidated of truth because we'd be misunderstood, Father God, or seem unloving, God. But we will take grace and we will take truth and we will use it with wisdom, Father God, to reach a world that is hurting and hopeless and desiring the answers, Father God. And I thank you, God, that you are stirring up your spirit even in this house tonight and those watching at home, Father God. Activate us. Give us joy. Give us peace. Bring us back to our first love once again, Father God. Love for you. Love for your house. A zeal for your house, Father God. Let it fall upon your church once again. I want to make sure everyone here has an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're away. Maybe you've never received Jesus today. Maybe you wandered in here and you're thinking, what the heck am I doing here today? God brought you in to receive Jesus today. So I want to give everyone that opportunity. I want you just to repeat after me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I receive your grace and I receive your truth to go into the world and to see change. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a great big praise this morning.